I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Welcome to the. Actually, that sounded like shit, didn't it? <laughs> Welcome to the latest edition of the Wokecast. As always, I'm joined by G. What up, G? What up? What's going on? Well, I have literally just finished dinner, sitting here just with my feet up, ready and rearing to discuss what was a fun night of fights at UFC 252 Cormier versus Miochik. Free, yeah, yeah. farewell fight for old Cormier. But um, before we go any further, I just wanted to just recap something basically for our listeners, just to recap for clarity. Mm-hmm. Whilst we now effectively are dropping two podcasts per week, the Wocast stars me and G every Monday. Now we'll be covering fight recaps and the occasional interviews, and Shots Fired, which is the newly titled midweek show. With me and G, Kairos and Chasanga, is where we, via a virtual roundtable of sorts, bring you our gripes, news, views, interviews, plus the occasional um, personal takes on lifestyle issues. So, there is one feed for both, so you don't need to adjust your feed, you don't need to subscribe anywhere else. There is one feed for both shows, so make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to this show and uh, you won't miss out on forthcoming exclusives now i've got to admit this past weekend i don't know about you g Mm -hmm. um it lacked the firepower it lacked the star power and befitting of its headline act and um we've got quite a few i suppose talking points, notable talking points from UFC 252 back at the apex. But for me, I've got to put my hand up and say my old ass was falling in and out of sleep yesterday, having, you know, (laughs) having woken up like at the crack of dawn, I was struggling to keep awake. So I had to recap um, a lot of what I slept through in and out of uh, yesterday's or last night's fight card. But um, I just wondered, you know, from your perspective, um, let's start from the bottom of the card in terms of the prelims. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to run with the runners and riders in terms of what floated our collective boats. But uh, I want to start with you then. You know, going from the bottom of the card, what was the first thing that kind of caught your eye? What piqued your fancy? What made you think, hmm, whoa? Well, uh, I missed some of the prelims last night, believe it or not, Mike. So I had to wake up this morning and catch up. And I'm in love with the fight of the night. Um, Kamaka versus Tony Kelly. Whoa. Oh, man, that fight. Banging fight. Oh, my God, that was such... It was just a pure delight. That's all I Mm. can say. I mean, it's just a beautiful technical matchup. The footwork, the angles, and just even the shot selections were just on point. And the hard kicks, the body shots, and even I loved how Kamaka 
even knew when to wrestle or even when to rest, you know, like you could tell he was getting tired, but he was like smart with it and was, you know, putting Tony against the cage and trying to rest. And Tony's corner's going crazy because they're like, he's tired, he's tired, but he's smart enough to rest for a minute. But when they separate, he's still in Tony's face. And then Tony had that resurgence like in round two. I mean, Mm. what a delight. And I cannot wait for either fighter to be booked for their next fight. I I don't, well deserved fight of the night. What do you think? Oh, 100%. You know, before each um, and every show, Dana does his whole, we're going to gather all the heads together, I'm going to lock you all in the room and you're going to listen to my guidance on what you need to do when you get out there. And I tell you for a start, Kai Kamaka and um, Tony Kelly probably were at the front lapping up every single word because man did they bring it basically for debut um fighters i mean this is babies for both of them yeah uh for me this was fight of the night now okay they did pick up uh 50 g's each uh in the official fight of the night but with the back and forth i mean it was a full-on war full of left hooks well especially from kamaka um those left kicks to the body i have to say i put out a meme and (laughs) that meme was basically me it seriously personified looking at that screen all i could do is just purse my lips and be like oh yeah oh because those body shots yeah the body and the fact is yeah the fact is to come back from those body shots given how tired um, those actually make you mm-hmm. take suck the wind out of you. Tony Kelly needs to be commended, and uh, yeah. I think that you know his 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 inside needs to be tested for exo exoskeleton from the flipping um, Wolverine. Seriously, that yeah. was some his res- I reckon some tenacity in keeping in the fight. Yeah, because his resurgences in the second and third round were scary. Like he would just get Incredible. like a second wind and bring it to Kamaka. Cause you're like Kamaka, you fall in love with his cadence and his fighting and the body shots. And then Tony just out of nowhere would turn it up. And now the momentum would change. And mm. I love this type of debut because although Kamaka won the fight, I think they both won because I want to see both of them. I want to start matchmaking. I want to see them in the division. I want to see who well, how do they do against like a, a wrestler. Like I'm totally intrigued. So beautiful debut for both. And Mike, this is a testament to like these short notice signings due to the pandemic yeah. era. Yeah, We're going to see some fighters that come out here and we don't know shit about them, but they're going to come out mm. here and bring it. And then we're going to have some fighters like, damn, like he probably should have never been in the UFC. You know, like we have to get ready for this type, of, these type of debuts. It's it's oh one hundred percent era. I, I hear where you're coming from, though, in in terms of no one actually lost that fight because they won my heart and they won my attention. Mm-hmm. Because I, I've got to admit, though, out of the two of them, it was Kamaka who who caught my attention. He is, I mean, the Hawaiian for me is someone. <laughs> okay, rein me in here, mm-hmm. but he has that aura about him that. He's definitely going to be one to watch in the future, for sure. Don't get me wrong, so is Tony Kelly, but there's something about Kamaka. I don't know what it is about this man's aura, but I was really, really intrigued and quite drawn in by, you know, his performance last night. Yeah, and I think even though you're drawn into him, I think Tony Mm. can change your mind if he, like, books a short-notice fight and he fights even better than he did before. Like, the potential in both of them is just astounding. And I just, I love, like, 
I don't like that the fighters are fighting during a pandemic and I hate this pandemic, but this is like a little fun aspect of it, like these like late signings of people that I'm not familiar with. And then they come out here and they put on a great show like this. So I'm thirsty, Mike. Either one of them, I'm ready to match make and see them. And I hope they um, sign a fight soon too. Like if there's any availability, Dana should give them a fight. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Moving up the card, did you see um, Chris Dacus and uh, Parker Porter? Did you see that KO? Uh, yes. And um, he made short work of him in round one. <laughs> yeah, um, I Dacus. think. Shout out to uh, Rhino. I was listening to his show earlier, Mike, and he said it best. He was like, who doesn't like a first round KO in a heavyweight bout? And I'm like, Rhino yep. perfection. How, how do you not like that? Because heavyweight fights can either be fun or just like these slobber knockers that you don't want no parts of. So when Chris came out and dropped, I believe it was like a one-two or some type of maybe a straight and Parker curled up and just fell back, I was so happy. And then it was a beautiful performance. Yeah, we like the fight to be over quickly because it's a heavyweight and it's fun, but I got mm. my eye on Chris too. That was a beautiful combination. I liked it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Rhino and the fact that you listened to his show earlier. This is my Sunday evening routine. I cook and then I put Rhino on as I'm washing the dishes. That's my routine. Oh, before that's our so adorable. Sh- show every, every single week, yeah. Rhino is helping me with the dishes. So yeah. just uh, let, me, let, me, let me just leave that image out there because I'm sure when Rhino listens to it, <laughs> well, you will be horrified. You know what's so funny? <laughs> my Rhino moment with his podcast is my gym, mm. my home gym. Like when I'm working oh, out, really? that means like Rhino is blasting in my little front of the house in my home gym. So if Rhino's playing in Brooklyn, I'm working out. So that's my <laughs> routine with his pod. A great show, and people need to listen if they're not. It's a really informative show, and he's a great host. But keep going. Oh, 100, 100%. A, a, a rising tide raises all boats. So we're giving love not just to podcasts which are in the mainstream, but also people like, you know, Combat Sports of Rhino, because that, for me, is... Um, you shouldn't have favourites, but that is the, a podcast which I listen to consistently. Yeah. But speaking with consistent... Um, am I being bad in, in thinking that consistently uh, recently we've, we have had some incredible cards am I do I again need you to rein me in by saying you know Mike I think you're a little bit being a little bit too harsh on this card no I felt like this card was just kind of weird it would just I don't want to say it didn't live up to the hype but it just didn't really get my gears going too mm. much like the fights were just like eh, meh, meh. you know like I don't know I just my heart wasn't pounding too much in this fight. yeah and, and and that's just it maybe again I'm, I'm spoiled maybe we're both spoiled but yeah I expect when you've got the firepower of such a main event mm-hmm. especially you know that this is a trilogy as well that right. this fight card would have been stacked but Again, maybe I'm just being greedy. And again, I need to temper that with the fact that, look, we're in the midst of a pandemic and yeah. this is the only show in town. And, you know, perhaps, again, maybe this is something that we'll revisit probably at the end of the show. But, you know, I think we kind of like need to look at um, fights in the pandemic and how we fared. Was Dana right? Was this really the right call? Right. And, you know, how he has actually done... Um, basically consistently on a week-to-week basis putting on oh incredible fights now that's going to be my question to you but i'm going to ask you to answer that 
once you've actually run through the card. That's going to okay, be my cool, question cool, this cool. week to you. But skipping along, um, I have to say, I had to wait until Felice Herrig uh, versus Verma Gendiroba um, until I got really excited. For me, it's just the name value in Felice Herrig which caught my eye. And just the fact that I, I really did think that this was going to be the fight where she bounced back, but unfortunately, oh, no. um, she found herself um, at the hands of um, v- v- Verma uh, Jan- Jan- Sorry, I just Gendaloba. call. Listen, I just call her Verna. You know, like she's my neighbor or something. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to try to, you know, go for her last name. I'm just going to, girl. I'm going to call you Verna. So, but listen. I mean, go ahead, Mike. To, to cut to the chase. This is three straight losses in a row. And I've got a feeling that her P45, that's what we call it here mm. in the UK. I guess you call it a pink slip in the, in, in the States, right? That is correct. Yeah. The infamous pink so slip. Mm-hmm. Her, her pink slip, P45, if you're in the UK, may be calling in the next few days. Because I don't know if you noticed recently, mm-hmm. there's been some um, pretty high-profile releases by the UFC. And I just want you to cast your mind back. Um, ages and ages ago, like months ago, mm-hmm. when we were talking about that this is going to be the norm. You're looking at um, an organisation who will be looking to trim the fat, considering that, you know, they are really looking at costs. They're really looking at their running costs and they're yeah. really looking at trying to be an efficient organisation. Now, for me, it would come as no surprise if Felice Herrig did actually get her marching orders. And um, I'll be one who is sorry to see her go, but going back to the actual fight, I mean, what did you make of that? Man, I was um, skeptical of Felice Herring and also very worried. She had been out for two years with an injury. Yeah. And um, and then I looked at this um, Verna's record and I'm looking at, you know, I'm doing a little research on her and then I'm like, oh yeah, she lost to Carla. And I'm mm. just like, Carla's kind of on a tear right now. And uh, Verna's known for like, you know, she's a grappler and Carla was able to out grapple her. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like this, I know this woman is really, really good. And also I had some people in my mentions reminding me of her career in Invicta. And yeah. most of her wins are by submission. And then when, you know, when I'm watching the fight, I mean, I was just concerned with the fact that Felice's takedown defense was so weak. It was just the takedown was so easy. And then from there, Mm -hmm. the jiu-jitsu was effortless because she's levels ahead of of Felice. I mean, if you watch the fight closely, Mike, you can see that Felice is responding to her correctly. Like, she's doing everything right. She's just not doing it fast enough because Verna is so much of a better jiu-jitsu practitioner. And it reminds me of, like, whenever Mackenzie Dern goes to the fight, goes to when Mackenzie Dern a fight goes to the floor with her opponents the fight's over she climbs them like a snake and that's what I felt I was watching I was like oh my god she's just gonna figure this out and boom got the arm bar and I just feel so bad for Felice because I feel like she wasn't able to show anything in her return fight and because of that she could be she could be cut Mike you know like they're really cutthroat right now they cut um Beth uh Carrera I can't even yeah, say that. Yeah, Betch Cahaya. Yeah. There yeah, you she go. Cut. They cut her. And even though like she loses and some people don't care for her fights, you know who she is. And you can you can put her on filler cards in the prelims. Like right now in the pandemic, you can fill with her. And people mm-hmm. kind of know her. And I was kind of surprised by that, believe it or not. Speaking and, of surprises, were you surprised that Max Rochkoff, I mean, talking about cuts, was also, um, well, I suppose, given his marching orders as well. Given the... I, I want to be kind because I, it's clear to me that he's going through th- some things. 
But given the, you know, the wanting to leave the fight and being urged to stay in the fight scenario that actually happened there, were you surprised when you heard that he got cut as well? Not at all. And I, I don't know why anyone is surprised because it's like I saw some um, Twitter accounts saying, yeah, that's messed up. He, he took the fight short notice, you know, like he, yeah. he did them a favor. But it's like you have to remember that the UFC doesn't really care about your favors unless you're like famous <laughs> fighter, unless you're an asset to them. So mm. you can kind of cut them a break and then get cut because you lost while cutting them a break. They don't really care. Mike, we talked yeah. about that on um, a couple of weeks ago. On the midweek we show with Chisanga, I forget, um, Demarcus Johnson was it? Johnson, that's yeah, right. They, yes. He did them a favor. He took a short notice fight loss. He got cut and he was vocal about like, hey, I did you a favor. So I always mm. I always go to him and remember like, be careful prelim fighters or fighters that don't have Connors, you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, power. power. Because if you mm. lose a fight and you think you're, you're a company man and you're not. And you get cut. So I wouldn't be surprised if Felice gets cut and she might actually need to and, and come back. That showing was pretty, pretty bad. You know, I just, you know, I hate to speak like that about a fighter, but she really didn't have anything to show. And the takedown yeah. defense was the, the murder. She wrote the writings on the wall. It was <laughs> pretty bad. Whoa. Yeah. So moving on to the main card, uh, what floated your boat? Um... Starting with, I suppose, John Dodson, uh, Mehab, Devalash, Devalash. Marab, don't even, don't even look over here for me to. <laughs> I call him Marab. <laughs> well, guess what, Mike? Though I, oh, Dashfully. Okay, that's not bad. Okay, Marab Dashfully. I missed this fight, Mike. So I'm gonna need you to bring me up. I know Marab won, and from what I'm reading. You know, because I did do a little bit of research on this, but I did not physically see the fight. It sounds like Marab d- did what he usually did, but less. But it was just that John Dotson was not able to deal with the constant threat of a takedown. Spot on. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, this was a real snore fest. It did nothing for me. And mm. looking at this, um, <laughs> this is going to sound really wow. mean-spirited, but uh, I was kind of pleased that John lost only because my boy look what they did to my boy oh you're still salty <laughs> I am Nathaniel Wood should have won that that should have been his kill and um, you know here we are still talking about it today so right. I wasn't cross I wasn't upset I wasn't um, surprised that uh, John couldn't come away with the win this time but um, I didn't think he was going to win anyway I didn't think he had anything for that constant threat I just didn't think he would have no offense from what I'm hearing like that was yeah. I didn't know Marab was going to shut him down like that and that's amazing exactly yeah good for him well moving on to Herbert Burns and Daniel Pineda now uh, this yeah. again yeah. I, I t- rein me in but <laughs> Herbert Burns missed weight and got paid back, I think, with a, with a KO from David Pineda in the in the second round. Am I being harsh? You know, d- 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 tell me, be real with me. Didn't Herbert Burns lose this fight? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, he got paid back with a KO. Oh, you mean? <laughs> you mean he got dealt with? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's basically what happened, pretty much. And you know what I thought too. I was still high up on Herbert Burns' last win, I forget. And then, of course, he's related to Gilbert. So I'm kind of, not that I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I'm really, really 
high up on Herbert Burns. I am impressed with yeah. him. And he's also, yeah. his hands are nice, but he's also dangerous on the ground like his brother. Mm. So to see him kind of get schooled by Daniel Pineda was kind of shocking. I mean, Herbert had his moments. Don't get me wrong. He was... he. Nah, but you were still like, huh? Yeah, like he fought well, <laughs> but it looked like a, a veteran was just beating up a, a new kid to the game. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. It looked like yeah. someone that was like, I know how to do all of this and I know how to do it better and you got to... I don't know. Good luck. Try again, kid. You know, like you still got work to do. That's like the performance that I saw from Daniel Pineda. Like, I've been doing this longer. And I was just yeah. kind of surprised by that. I thought Herbert was going to be able to beat this guy up. But it just tells uh, us that he still has work to do, you know? Again, you're right. It is very easy to get um, high on the Kool-Aid, especially, oh, you know, yeah. with that surname as well. And just like yourself, I was a little bit shocked. I was a little bit surprised only because... You know, I drank a gallon of the Kool-Aid. But <laughs> you know what didn't surprise me? The KO which came in the next fight. Gina no. DeSantos Gina, yeah. De, Gina DeSantos versus Yo Jazinho Rosenstruck. Now I, again, maybe maybe I'm just mean spirited, Mike, today, but <laughs> technically speaking, mm-hmm. Rosenstruck hasn't got anything for JDS. In terms of crisp boxing, in terms of precise strikes, that's JDS's wheelhouse. But he wasn't able to bring any of that to this. I mean, what, he was schooled by, I think, a far uh, inferior fighter. But I know, don't agree with you on that. I really? Think, I think, I, of course, he lost, and he, of course, I saw the K- <laughs> I saw the KO. But here's the, here's yeah. before the KO. JDS was um, winning that, you know, the fight. He won the first round, Mike. He was doing mm. well. He was keeping Rosenstruck on the outside. Did he eat a couple shots? Sure. And he also yes. got hit with that calf um, kick. Mm. That's what mm. um, Rosenstruck was doing very well in the first round. But in the first round, JDS was keeping him at the end of the punches. He was landing a nice um, body kick. He was working the body. He was he was doing what he does, sticking and moving, getting out of there. And it was good. And I was like, I like this. And if he keeps up this pace, he might be able mm-hmm. to win. But the problem yeah. is, is that this is not the JDS that we know. He just cannot handle those barrage of punches that he used to be able to eat. You remember during the wars, JDS would kind of, the same punches, keep in mind the same punches Rosenstruck hit him with. Imagine those. He used mm-hmm. to get hit like that by Kane and a bunch of people. He used to have huge defensive holes. he used holes. to eat them. Yes, he used to just turn his face to the side, put his hand up, and circle away while we gripped the couch like, holy shit, how is he going to be when he gets old? Remember we used to worry about JDS so much? Yeah. But yeah. we used to worry about him when he got older. We weren't worried about him getting KO'd because he would get mm-hmm. up and eat those shots. He can't do mm-hmm. that no more that's it and that's that's what i'm talking about in terms of technical ability in terms of pristine strikes in terms of the way that he looked Mm -hmm. that is what i was expecting but if you remember the last show i wasn't expecting jds to win Mm -hmm. his chin i I think is gone yeah and it, it just it just came to pass but what i'm saying is that win looked ugly. I, I'm not a fan of wailing shots to, to win a fight. Right. I like precision. I like one shot, one kill. Right. That's my kind of like, I, I like snipers. Right. And you for like me, the technical Rosenstruck, aspect. Yes. yes, Rosenstruck is not a sniper. He's a whaler. I mean, for me, there wasn't any, in terms of technical ability, you couldn't say that they were on mm-hmm. par. Yes, in terms of strength, in terms of sheer um, uh, will to win. And basically just 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 throwing shots out there yes mm-hmm. Rosenstruck was the the better man but technical striking precise striking definitely JDS 
But, yes, you know, that's what I meant. Unfortunately, yep. un- unfortunate to see JDS come a cropper, but not surprising, as we discussed on the last show. This was to be expected. Yeah, most definitely. And most people did pick Rosenstroke for the very reason we all did on our last show. We just cannot mm. trust him, but we know that he's the better kickboxer. We know that he's has more experience. And, you yeah. know, he's good at it, but he just... He just can't keep up anymore. That chin, mm-hmm. he can't take those shots. And nope. I don't know where he goes from here. Maybe one or two more fights and hopefully it's a fight that he can win and then let him sail off into the sunset perhaps because he's a really good dude. Like I don't want to see him get hurt. I want to wheel out my old trope and that is I don't think it's our place to tell of the fighter course. when to quit. Of course. But yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe JDS might be um, right. Maybe time to line up those retirement fights. Right. That's why now, I like said, you just said the yeah. one or two more, and then because yes. it's like, like you said, Mike. We've and we've been saying this on the show since we started working together. We mm. can never tell them when to, we don't know their finances, their health, and just also a hobby. Like we don't, we don't know them personally. So it's really up to it's up to them. So yeah. I support them in their decision, whatever that may be. But. It, yeah, JDS, I don't want to see him get hurt anymore is, is just my mm. opinion on that. But I support the brother. And he's still really good. It's just the chin is not there. Poor thing. Hmm. Moving on to Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera. This was a shocker, a surprise. It really did come out of left field for me. But it shouldn't have. I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. This hasn't been discussed on Twitter. I was I was looking to see if anybody else had picked it up. On Thursday, I started to watch all of the um, embedded because I'd missed them. So I started to go through them and I was watching. And what I noticed was every single time that Sean O'Malley would get up um, from a seated position, he did those old man noises. Ugh! And I'm thinking... Did he? But yes, yes. Go back and watch every single time from a seated position. He'd stand up there was a big hefty groan Mm. and I'm thinking but hold on a minute you're in your early 20s right Mm. so how come you're making the noises of a 50 stroke 60 year old man and I you know I have to say it bugged me then right but it made sense going into that fight I reckon he was carrying an injury hence the reason for the groaning every single time from a seated position standing up he was actually um, in a little bit of discomfort right. because a young man of his age doesn't make those noises. But just, you know, back to the fight. Right. It was the Bantamweight co-main event. And, you know, obviously I've got to eat crow here because I thought in the first round it would be Marlon Vera who'd be staring up um, <laughs> with his back on the canvas, as you know. And uh, I saw the memes. I saw you banging the drum mm-hmm. on uh, Twitter. Yes. Obviously, Sean O'Malley, Came off, um, well, after a little bit of ground and pound, um, at, at the wrong end of a TKO. And um, I suppose it's back to the drawing board for Sean O'Malley. And uh, Marlon Vera was, was the victor there. What did you make of it, though? Was it not the most kookiest little thing ever? Like, I remember watching, like, what's going on? Okay, he's lost. And then I had to watch the replay so many times. And I finally concluded that... I just didn't understand why Sean O'Malley was fainting so much in the beginning of the fight. And I get that he's a fast starter, but there's no feel-out moment. There's no figure-out-the-range. And I just thought the same fainting that you use with Eddie Wineland might not work with Marlon Vera. Why would that be Mm -hmm. the game plan? And I'm like, does your camp focus on 
creativity and fainting a little too much because it's like you have a different opponent now and you're trying to fake him out like Eddie and I'm like that ain't gonna work for Cheeto and that's exactly what happened Cheeto didn't flinch but what he did was kick him in the calf and then the next thing you know it disrupted his footwork I don't know if he tripped over his own foot but after that calf kick he just could not you know faint and you know carry on the way that he does and Marlon saw that opening and took advantage but my concern is what was the game plan no feeling out, no nothing, just fake, just try to fake him out. Is it like, what the hell was that? If you look at it, though, in, in his arsenal and in his game plan, consistently, mm-hmm. that does seem to be a feature. And, that, okay, that might be a fighter tick. It may not be a strategy, but it might be a, a fighter tick in mm. that, you know, that is how he fights. Building on the feints is, you know, yourself. It's a way of actually drawing out your opponent and getting right. them to, to miss, make mistakes, and, you know, to get them into a rhythm so that you can actually implement um, your strike. So maybe that's what we were seeing here. But for me, you're right. As soon as that calf kick was kind of, um, uh, I think, the catalyst Mm -hmm. for what I feel was an injury. (laughs) Well, no, what was an injury that he was carrying going into the fight? That That is my theory. Yeah. Okay, I've got nothing to back it up apart from the embedded because as I say those old man noises it did like set alarm bells ringing I mean but and this is also set up Mike for him to say it was an injury he is going Mm. to I I guarantee it Mike that he's going to come back and be like oh I didn't really lose that fight you know he's young and and has these little stands and stuff watch him come back and be like oh I was injured this this and that I don't really think he's Mm going to give Marlon Vera the credit that's due and I do believe Marlon Vera deserves all of that credit because he did something to that leg, whether it was injured before or afterwards, but that kick set it off. And also, you have to give him credit for not falling for those those overly aggressive feints. You know, it looked like he had did his game planning and was like, this kid faints, I'm not falling for shit, and I'm going to figure him out, and then I'm going to wait. And I felt like the superior camp won. The superior team did a better job game planning. I didn't really... I couldn't figure out what Sean was doing, yet I could figure out what Marlon was doing right away. And was his was to be patient and wait for this kid to come in. Sean O'Malley, I'm at home like, what's he doing? And I'm just like, ah, there's room for improvement for Sean O'Malley. Do I think one day he might be a champ, Mike? Absolutely, because I think he's talented. Yeah. He's definitely talented, but he needed this loss to discuss things like that. And also yeah, might take that setback. Yes. Right. And also the setback might be tied into the other time he was injured. Wasn't this an ankle injury? If this could have something to do with his movement. Every time this kid loses, he needs like a helicopter and a stretcher. His ankle's broken. <laughs> remember remember when he did the interview with Joe Rogan on the floor? It was like the most dramatic injury ever. They're like working yeah, on him. Yeah. I was waiting for the defibrillator and shit, but he was still like <laughs> giving the interview. Oh, wow. And then if you watch that fight, I do believe it's like an ankle injury. Don't hold me to it. It's, the top of, it's off the top of my head. But they need to address yeah. like... Are his injuries self-inflicted due to his movements and creativity? And maybe they need to work on him being a bit more technical before making him funky. You know, mm. and I think sometimes, like, camps, those are things that they might be able to adjust, address, or tweak. Or maybe it's something I don't even know that I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Maybe there's something else going on in that camp that they can work on. Because I think that fight yeah. exposed that. So just get ready for him to come back and say, like, he's still the greatest and he never lost, though. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> 
for that. Just picking up on one thing that you said there, the, the loss I think came at the right time because Absolutely. it's it's humbling and yeah. up until now he has been on a crest of a wave yeah. and I feel that maybe there is going to be a, a period of self-reflection yeah. and there's definitely going to be a period of learning and he needs that now because like you just said I really do feel and I agree he is going to be a champion he is going to be a Me great too. champion as well but he needed this learning because like you say there are some holes perhaps in the game. lessons that yep, yeah lessons. that he needs to take away and, and also he needs to injure himself less and it seems to be injuries from the lower extremity and it, ha- it might mm. have to do with his creativity and what he's doing. Yeah. He might yeah. be too fast for his own damn self. You never know. You know what I'm saying? Like, they'll, they'll work on that and he'll come back even better and then for the fans, mm. he'll be cocky and stuff because that's like his, you know, that's like his little bravado. So it's going to be a good thing. He's a smart kid. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of coming back with... Uh um, excuses and answers. <laughs> One person who won't be coming back is Daniel Cormier, who um, found himself at the wrong end of a decision against Stipe Miocic. Now, you know, fair play to Stipe. If you ain't broke, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. But for me, you know, you, 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 I don't think you're going to like where I'm coming with this, but body shots and eye pokes uh, was, <laughs> was the story. Of that was the game plan. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you think about it, um, this should be, I feel, a performance that Cormier will be proud of. I mean, as he heads off into retirement. Now, one of the things that I loved, though, was Jones always uh, making himself part of the, of, of the narrative. And oh, God. It's kind of intriguing <laughs> when he said, or when he tweeted. I'm not sure if the, the, the tweet is still out, because you know how he likes to delete and like tweet. put that out there and yeah. delete. Yeah, delete and tweet, or tweet and delete. Mm-hmm. Um, when he tweeted... These heavyweights don't look so big. I mean, what's he doing here? Is he? He's just playing teasing? games, but he'll never is fight he? at heavyweight. Yeah, he's getting on my nerves with that shit. I don't know. <laughs> you, but you know what? I think if they pay him an exuberant amount of money, he will come up. Mm. I think that's what he's doing. You know, I don't think it's him like afraid of losing at heavyweight. I think he's established himself as the king of the light heavyweight. So I think if he loses at heavyweight, it's not really going to be a big deal. Remember Max Holloway tried his hand. He just went back to being the king of his division. Yeah, That can yeah. happen to John Jones. But what I think that he needs is a lot of money. They want what they are due. And he's a superstar. Mm. And he wants his money. So he will do it. He will fight Francis or Stipe if they pay him. But back to Stipe and uh, Daniel, what did you make of the fight? I thought it was a really weird fight. I didn't really enjoy it, but I, you know, but at the same time, it was like an important fight. I don't know. Mm. It put me on an emotional roller coaster. It was so nice to see Stipe so handsome, debonair, and fit, and he looked like a champion. And slim. And slim. He looked like a champion when he came in there. It was like attention, like respect the champ. You know, like the champ is here. Yeah, the champ is here for real. Stand up. You know, like I was like, (laughs) God damn, Stipe is making a statement with his body presence and his, you know, his mind. Like he's just doing it with his with himself with his presence. I thought that was dope, and then. I don't know. I just felt like Daniel Cormier, maybe I'm being too harsh, but I saw the decline in this fight. I saw a fighter that, you know, I thought Stipe and him had some really evenly matched exchanges, but I thought Stipe was outworking him just a little bit, except for like in the fourth round. But in every round, I always thought Stipe was outworking him, except for the fourth round. And I also noticed in certain rounds, Daniel Cormier was running out, out of gas towards the end. For instance, in the first round, he got hit with a bunch of fucking hooks because he yeah. was just running out of breath. And then there was another, there was another round towards the end. Stipe had him mounted. 
And I'm just like, this is not Daniel Cormier's type of style of fight. Like, Stipe's not only, Mm. like, a really good fighter. Like, he is one of the greats. But Daniel's just, I see the decline. And then when he got poked in the eye, forget it. It it just was affecting him. I think it it was affecting him greatly. I mean, I I wouldn't even even describe that as a a poke. It was more like a gouge. That was a deep thrust, man. He put his whole arm in there, I think. Like, I think it went up (laughs) to the elbow when I looked. Um... And but you know my thing on the eye pokes is this it's like I don't really take like an immature stance about it like I'll joke about it with you Mike but what I mean is that mm. I don't think neither one of them do that shit on purpose so I'm not it's up measuring, in arms it? yeah it's called it's, it's measuring. they're measuring and they have a horrible um, habit of measuring distance and range with their fingers out because all they want to do is drive that you know that drive that counter fist right into someone's face but they got to measure like how short of a distance is it do I come in do how many steps does it take that's all they're doing but they're yeah. doing it with their fingers extended and they have a bad habit of doing it. They probably do it in the gym. They probably do it. It's muscle memory. So, Is it about time then? I mean, I know it's a, a perennial argument. It's a perennial discussion. We're always bringing this to the table. Is it about time that we resolve this issue with curved gloves or some way of actually um, correcting what allows you to, you know, come forward with almost like a lance in someone's face no mike what you do is when you take a point for doing that and you get aggressive with just making sure that goes against breaking the rules fighters will stop doing it because they'll train themselves not to do it because i feel mark was though mark was very very on it last night no he was he was but i just feel like deducting points is better than just like altering gloves and starting this whole new thing you know what i mean like i Mm. think the fighters i'm more for fighters changing their behaviors rather than changing the rules that we know and love and we're already used to yeah I don't, well maybe you know, I mean Mark, Mark Goddard is I reckon one of the finest refs out there and yeah. um, you know I think he handled it perhaps, well yeah yeah p- perhaps so to, to be more aggressive um, may have actually determined but I don't know how more aggressive than you can mm-hmm. that you can get I mean this is Mark Goddard he doesn't stand for any shit yeah. do you know what I mean I think in this fight he handled it well but when I'm talking about in general like if they just keep mm. disciplining fighters and taking a point yeah. for it I think you know we can bring you know fighters will train not to do it but for this fight no that ref handled it well but I mean in general mm. I don't I don't want to change anything that might could that could alter the the sport that we like unless it's very serious unless it's something yeah. that's you know like you I, I you cannot kick someone in the grind the stuff like that we that I like those types of rules, but when it comes to the the oblique kick that damages the knee and also now changing the gloves for eye pokes, I get a little like, are there other ways we can deal with this? You know, can the mm. fighters prepare and not poke each other in the eye? You know, like, there are there other alternatives to that? You know, let's, let's keep the rules about, like, fighter safety, and I know poking eyes is very dangerous, but they can learn to stop doing that. You know, I think they can train for that. I, that. It would be my preference, but it was pretty bad last night. But an update on Daniel, I don't believe he needs surgery. But man, that oh, post-fight, he looked, the eye looked pretty damaged. It looked bad. For you not to be able to see out of an eye must be such a disconcerting thing, especially yeah. when someone's finger has gone so deep into it. So I'm pleased that, you know... Um, it is treatable without surgery, but I'm also pleased that, you know, it does sound as though he's going to be on the men pretty soon. Yeah. So it'd be great to hear him back on commentary. It'd be great to hear. And that's the one thing that I like about, you know, his retirement. He's retired, but not retired in that he's retired from the cage, but not retired from the sport. Yeah, but Mike, let me ask you a question. 
do yeah. you really think he's retired? Because he kind of like didn't put the gloves down in the middle of the cage. He seemed really upset by that loss. And yes, he did admit during the post-fight interview with Joe Rogan that he's mm-hmm. not going to fight again unless it's for yeah. a title and he doesn't think he's going to get one. That looks like there's room for like Dana to come over and convince you of something. The, you know, like I don't. I don't trust any of these fighters, and he, to me, he barely retired. We've had fighters put gloves down in the middle of the octagon like Gustafsson and come back. I don't yeah, know about not, it's not gonna, I it's don't know. It's, it's not going to happen at 40 years and change, and it's not going to happen because who's he going to fight? Stipe? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just, I just don't trust any. I have PTSD, maybe. I just don't trust any more fighters that retire, especially when like Dana's out here, like trying to bribe people or you know, giving them Brock Lesnar or like when money can get people out of retirement, boredom can yeah. get people out of retirement. There's the missing a fight camp, not realizing you're not ready to retire, gets you out of retirement. So now, I don't know. I feel really sad for him. But I'm 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 not sold on the retirement. Another question, Mike. Did you listen to this broadcast with the commentators, or did you mute it? I muted it. Oh, well, okay. I put it down. I put it down very low. Yeah, I muted it too, and I saw that the community thought that um, the the booth, Joe Rogan, Dominic Cruz, and them were like um, biased. biased. Yes, and not giving Stipe <laughs> enough of his props for actually like mm. winning the exchange. You know, because it's true. Like the fight was, it, it appeared to be close. They were yeah. evenly matched, but it did. Stipe did outwork him a bit more, and you could see that. You know, Daniel did land some hard shots. I remember he had a right hand that came over the top that was like, damn, mm. it was rough. But still, Stipe won that fight, and they were still almost confused with picking Stipe to win. I don't know. I just heard there was a lot of bias, and I was like, damn, I wonder <laughs> if Mike was listening. <laughs> I, 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 you know something? Before we move on, I don't want to hog the the question or the spotlight mm-hmm. too much because I know we've got listener questions. But sure I'm going to switch do. up the question that I was going to ask you and, and, and change it ever so slightly. Change mm-hmm. it actually quite a lot. In that, um, again, maybe this is the, the the episode which is called "Rain Me In" because I, I feel as though you may have to rain me in here. In that, <laughs> can, can I just be perfectly honest with you? In terms sure. of missing a fighter in terms of um sad to see the back of him and um performances in the cage are going to be um missing this individual daniel cormier is not up there in terms of me missing him i just wanted to ask you is there a fighter you know if he were to walk away from the uh, the, the octagon tomorrow that you would sadly miss because like I say, just to underline my point, again, castigate me if you want to, but Daniel Cormier isn't a fighter that I'll sadly miss. Don't get me wrong, I've got nothing against him, but I just feel as though, you know, for me, him walking away, maybe it's just the fact that he's not walking away completely and the fact that he will still be around because of commentary duties, but I don't feel as though there's a sense of loss and that I will miss him, to be honest with you. Um, I'm kind of, I kind of agree with you. I just, I really? like, yeah, I kind of liked watching <laughs> Daniel Cormier fight, but I can't say that I'm going to be like, man, I wish I'm going to miss a Daniel Cormier fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't, yeah. I like his slams and stuff, but I can't say that I have a connection with Daniel Cormier or his fights, but I do think he's one of the greatest athletes in the UFC and also one of the greatest athletes in, in the heavyweight division, but he's just not mm. somebody that I'm like. I'm not going to be mourning not seeing him fight. I mean, 
if John Jones walked away, believe it or not, because I, I don't really like him outside of the sport, but like if he walked away from the sport, I would be a little like, damn, like I yes. enjoy watching him fight. Yes. Um, Jose Aldo for just even watching him fight and because I also mm. like him, you know, it would be weird without not having him in the sport, you know, mm-hmm. like it would be bizarre. Yeah. Khabib is going to be a little strange. I mean, you know, when we talk about him retiring, I'm always like, oh, yeah. that's so soon. That would be so soon. I get weird when Amanda wants to, like, continue to have her family. Like, I'm really happy for her, but quietly sometimes I'm like a hater. Like, don't you retire, though. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Yeah. And then even some of the new champions, if something happened to Welly Zhang, I would probably pass out. Like, I just, like, that's the fighter I can't, I need her to, like, Dana, get her a fight soon. Like, the, the Zhang gang is ready, and I'm in mm. that gang, so... But Daniel, no. You see how I'm getting excited over Zhang and Khabib and John Jones. I don't feel that way about Daniel. And if he comes, yeah. If he comes back, I'll watch him fight. And if not, I'll listen to him yell on the mic with Joe. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all good. Speaking of all good, we've got some all good listener questions. Do you want to queue up one of the ones we've got from Twitter whilst I get the audio yeah. uh, questions lined up? Let's keep Go things. For it. Let's keep things in the heavyweight division. Shout out to Lanta Brown, my homie. She said, mm. I would like to hear a discussion on the possibility of Jones versus Stipe. Just wondering what you guys think. And although we kind of did discuss this earlier, Mike, who wins that fight? Let's do future matchmaking here. Um, I think Jones wins. Jones wins because of tools. Jones wins because of tenacity. Jones wins because... He brings um, so many different facets in terms of what he can actually do. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, put my neck out there. I really do feel it will be um, a one-sided schooling if Jones were to, to actually move up. But I do feel that he should be recompensed for that. I do feel that he should be given, um, you know, the just rewards. He should be paid his worth. But yeah. yeah. Jones takes that. Yeah, I think if Dana wants to open his checkbook and get this going and pay the both of them really well, I think we're in for mm. a treat, Lanta. But I do agree with you, Mike. I think um, Jones wins for the same reason. I think he has uh, the fight IQ to go with the various tools and um, problems that he will present for Stipe. And he also has the wrestling you know, to yes. mix it up. And then he also has that various striking that can come from, you know, different angles. He's he's good at that oblique kick everybody want to cancel. Like, that's another mm-hmm. thing that he might take from Stipe right away. He's good at neutralizing your weapons. And he's also good at, he, I think he's the type of fighter that you game plan for. Then once you get in the cage with him, it doesn't work, whatever game plan you have. And I could see that happening to Stipe. However, yeah. I think he wins, but here's where we differ, Mike. I don't think it's going to be like some easy clubbing like you kind of described. No, I think Stipe puts up a <laughs> hell of a fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it, I think that's why we're going to be in for a treat because as much praise as I can give John Jones, we are talking about Stipe, arguably one of the best heavyweights in the world, and we don't know John yeah. Jones at heavyweight. Like, Stipe is no slouch. So I think we have a barn burner, and also, like, in the back of our minds, we got to worry about John Jones's extra muscle mass, weight, and cardio. But with mm-hmm. all that being said, I still think John Jones. But I would love to see this fight, and I would also like to see John Jones against, like, uh, Francis Ngato. And I'm just waiting for Dana to kind of do this, because I feel like the heavyweight division and the light heavyweight division kind of could need, like, a little push right now, like a little pizzazz. 
So I, I wouldn't mind if Dana kind of hooked us up for the fans and just gave these fighters what they're due. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, first off, for our audio questions, we've got Todd Rhino. Hey, all my friends of the Wolfcast. That's your big homie Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. I tried sending uh, a message a little bit ago. I'm not sure if it went through, so hopefully this one does. So, Stipe gets the win last night. By all accounts, it looks like Francis is going to be the next opponent for him. Uh, on the off chance that he does, in fact, fight John Jones, what kind of numbers do you guys think that that's going to draw? Are we talking Connor type of numbers? Are we talking talking maybe fringe top 10 all-time pay-per-view guys. I'm really not sure. I'd love to hear you guys take on it. Thanks so much. Love all you guys. Love the show. Talk to you later. Ooh, good question. You go first, Mike. Fantastic question. I think fringe top 10. Do you remember a lot of the negotiation around the numbers that um, or involved numbers mm-hmm. and one of the things which Jones was trying to um, push out there was the um, back and forth that he had, <coughs> excuse me, with the <coughs> excuse me UFC, mm-hmm. and numbers did come into it. What they were basically telling him was that, you know, he his traction isn't as big as a Connor, isn't as big as you know their uh, their big stars out there. And um, this was where they were at loggerheads because Jones, obviously believing in himself, felt that you know he was uh, major traction, major um, well tentpole activity. So to answer you know Rhino's question, I don't think he's a uh, well that matchup is as big a draw as Connor. Yeah, I don't think it's a Connor draw, and I don't think it's I don't I'm I'm not going to say it's not a Masvidal draw, but it's something up there. Yeah, I think it would be huge because mm. I think John Jones is the star of that matchup. I think that matchup brings in all the purists and the hardcores because we know who Stipe is. We know that Stipe is the best heavyweight in the world. And yes, Stipe has a Modelo commercial, but when I'm at work and I'm dealing with people that kind of know the UFC just casually, they know John mm. Jones. They know Conor McGregor. So I do I think this fight will be huge? Yes, more so because of John Jones, but it's it it's not going to bring in that star power numbers, Rhino, like Conor, because Stipe doesn't bring those numbers too. It wasn't, you know, like if Stipe was huge and then you put John Jones... Possibly, yeah. possibly they could have something huge here. But they're st- <laughs> they still have something big. It's just not Connor style. And I, I'm, I'm with you, exactly. Mike. Top 10 fringe, maybe. Yeah. Next up is a name which I'm not really that familiar with, Pamela Vigil. Now, I've not actually uh, listened to this, so let's just hope that she's not a troll. cussing us off. Right. <laughs> Hi, G and Mike. Um, my name is Pamela um, from MMA Astrology, and uh, basically my question is, well, okay, so like everyone is super interested in like who they're going to set up with Stipe next, like John Jones in the heavyweight, but I kind of care less about John Jones. What I'm more interested in and what I think um, my question is has to do with since Rosenstrick just won and we know Derek Lewis just won, like are they going to set up that fight? Because, and like if they do set up that fight, would we get like a banger like would we see like a lot of haymakers get thrown or would we get another like fight where the fighters are too scared to engage because they both have the knockout power um but i just think that would be interesting and i was wondering what you guys thought about that anyways yeah thank you i love your guys podcast all right bye oh i know exactly who that is now 
Oh, right. Yeah, she's, I, she's, it's not a name that I've come across before. Yeah, she's a new follower, but I love her. And we, we also converse a lot, and she's pretty cool. She's so hipster and cool. I'm going to send you her tweet from her so you can follow her. You'll enjoy her. Okay, is she, is she a good follower like uh, your girl, right, girl? I do yes, enjoy yes. Her, 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 her tweets. Exactly, and you'll like this girl, too. But listen, okay. what, mm. what it, like? let me see. I love the question, but here's the thing about Rosenstruck fighting someone that's surging up the rankings. Um, Lewis, yeah. Lewis is surging up the rankings. He has to fight mm. somebody that is closer to the title. Rosenstruck was just just murdered by Francis Nagato and who else yeah. who was also surging up the rankings. So, do I think that fight would be fun? Hell yeah. And I do think there would be a chance of Derek Lewis being timid. Like we did see him kind of freeze really? up against somebody I mean, when he fought another heavy-handed striker, he freezed up against Francis Nagano. So I've never forgave him for that. So, like, what if you put him up against another big guy like this, again, that with similar power? Like, will he freeze yeah. up? Mm. You just never know. You know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he won't. But being that he's done it once against someone that's a similar with a similar skill set, like Francis Nagano, I don't, you never know. But I don't mm. like that matchup. Even though I, I still, I'm leaning towards it would be fun. I think it's best for like Francis, you know, to fight like Stipe. And I think Rosenstroke needs to get a couple more wins and have some fun out there before he goes right back to the title. I like it. I tell you why. I, I think, I think it was last show or the show before said that Lewis needs to be spoken about in title contention now. And, you know, the way that you do that is to keep on winning. Yeah. I think that he takes Rosenstroke. I think that there's a huge possibility him. he does. Yeah, I think yes, we need to so consider means, him a title contender. Sorry? Yeah, we need to yes. start taking him yes. serious. Go ahead, Mike. I keep yes, you. I, no, I, I love the matchup because mm. it inches him forward towards that title. So yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. She's she's definitely someone she's who onto something. Yeah, she's onto mm. something though. And I'm also I have a question. Um, right here in front of us that also ties into this mic. I think it's going to be interesting. Okay. This is from Unbroken yeah. MMA. He's a great follow. And he says, Derek Lewis has not fought Stipe yet and holds a win over Nganu, which mm. was a snoozer. Nganu has already lost to Stipe once. Do you think that Derek Lewis should be ahead of Nganu to fight Stipe? No. Dana's already said that Nganu is, ne is next. Yeah. So there's no point in us fantasizing as to what um, you know, we feel is is going to be appropriate. But like I said, I really do feel Lewis needs to win just one more. So yeah. that's what's making me but like solidify and dig down and uh, dig in on on in on my position here. Here's my take on this, and it's not popular at all. And I know mm. everybody. You sh I wish we had a boo button where you could be like boo before I say <laughs> this. <laughs> I, it's the purest. I'm gonna bring it in. Hold on, one, two, three. <laughs> right there's your boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's the purest in me, Mike, but nobody likes mm. this idea. Derek Lewis and Francis Nagano need to fight again. And then we go from there. And then they fight Stephen. I'm telling you. I know that the first fight was a was a snoozer and that I don't think that happens again because it was such a terrible fight. But the issue would be how do you sell this? But it, in regards to rankings and two people that are surging, they need to fight yeah. again, bro. Like they're right at the same like they're almost there for tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're perfect. They need to fight again. And um, and I, you know, I, I want to say this too. They need to redeem themselves. Book that fight again. Sell it that the first one sucks so bad and you expect a bloodshed. And just put that pressure on them and let them fight and decide who should fight Stipe. That's my take on it. But 
I am a purist, Mike. You got real quiet. It probably sounds like you hate this idea like everybody else. What you think? I can't stand it. I could hardly <laughs> hear you above the booze. How could you even suggest such a thing? Who'd want to revisit that gothic monster? Because it matters. Who wants to be reminded of what that snooze fest was all about. Now, to me, I hear you, you are a purist, and that's why you'd want to see this. But mm-hmm. you know me and you are at odds when it comes to purists <laughs> and fun fights. That ain't a fun fight. Yeah. That isn't something that I want to see Hard to sell, ever again. too, yeah. Mm, it's hard to get me interested. It's like you suggesting Paul Daly versus MVP, too. My, I don't want to see <laughs> no, that. No, never again. Uh, but you're right, though. Every time I throw this out there, everyone's just like, oh, Gina, will you stop? You know, so I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going I'm to try it on the podcast with Michael Morgan and see what he thinks. But <laughs> <laughs> epic fail nice there, try. too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all okay. I got. Go ahead. Brilliant. I guess that wraps up this episode of the Wocast. As always, any of the talking points that you've heard of or heard about today, you can join us in discussion, in debate um, on Twitter. You can find me at Mike TV on Twitter. How about yourself, G? G Spot MMA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get complaints about that soon. Until next time. Make some trouble. Peace.